Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. It started last Sunday, excuse me, Saturday morning during college game day in Ames, Iowa. Those of you who don't know College Game Day, ESPN, college football commentators have this stage. It's set up at the highlighted game of the week. Last Saturday, it was the University of Iowa versus Iowa State. And in the background, if you ever tune in at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning, the crowd behind them is loaded with not just college kids, but all sorts of fans. And they have all of these signs, pretty clever one's overgrown faces and such, too. Lee Corso's in there somewhere. It's bouncing head, if you know who Lee Corso is. Carson King had to have spent, like, 15 seconds on his sign. Took a black Sharpie and white poster board. And this is what he wrote. Bush light supply needs replenishing. And then he included his Venmo handle so people could pay him wirelessly. Found his way to kind of the the front left as he was facing part of the stage and was holding it up. And I mean, it's kind of a a, a funny joke when you think about people have all these posters, like this team's making fun of that team, some clever turn of phrase, one mascot eating the other one, and then Lee Corso's head bouncing around, if you know who Lee Corso is. And then there's, there's some, if you you haven't seen it, next Saturday, 9 a.m., tune in, it'll make sense. And then here's this guy with, with the sign asking for beer money. Ha ha, funny joke except people started giving a lot of money. In a half hour, he got $400. What are you doing next Saturday? (laughs) But very quickly, Carson King didn't just see this as an opportunity for beer money. He saw this as a big platform. In fact, we would say he saw this as an opportunity for greater purpose. He announced that every penny he would receive would go towards the University of Iowa's children, Children's Hospital. So he's in Ames, Iowa at Iowa State. He's an Iowa State fan. They're playing the Iowa Hawkeyes. And if you know anything about the Children's Hospital there, it's this towering hospital that overlooks the University of Iowa's Kinnick Stadium. And there's this beautiful tradition that at the end of every first quarter, you know the wave where everybody stands up and does this thing and it kind of goes around? This is a better one. At the end of the first quarter, everybody turns around and waves at all of the children in the children's hospital. It's kind of one of those I'm not crying, you're crying moments. If you've ever seen it, it's it's awesome. Every penny was going to go to that children's hospital. Bush Light announced by midweek this last week that they were going to match every dollar. So by Wednesday, he had received $45,000. Venmo also announced that they were going to match every dollar, too. As of yesterday afternoon, he had received $270,000. Multiply that by three. It didn't just make national news. He's going to keep that account open through the end of the month. It's pretty safe to say that that children's hospital is going to receive a check for over a million dollars. You still think that beer sign is a joke? Of all the things that 
that sign did. The one thing that you cannot say is that, well, yeah, it's nice when you just kind of give stuff away. No, that's aimless giving. What happened in Ames, Iowa was very purposeful and intentional. He, unexpected to him, thought he might get $20 to go buy a case of beer for him and his friends, found himself on a platform, a platform that he used to support Children's Hospital. Can you think of a more noble cause for a second? I can't either. This is a platform that he used. More than that, he even united, get this, he united Iowa and Iowa State fans. I mean, that's something. But more than that, he, he used his position to garner respect from outsiders and approval from people who never met him to the degree that they would be sending him large amounts of coin. Of all the things you want to say, one thing I have to say to you today is, if there ever was a modern-day application of the lesson that we just heard from Jesus, this is it. Where God, who gives all that we have, wants us to see all that we have as an opportunity not just to use what we have for us, but to use what we have for a greater purpose because we see it from this bigger perspective. What this man believed is not the point. What this man did with what he received is the point. And what Jesus allows you and me to hear today as we look again at this parable that he tells in Luke 16, the gospel lesson that I just read earlier, is he allows us to overhear this seemingly odd but very pertinent lesson that he gives to his disciples. And in so doing, you and I learn this massive, massive lesson. Your money has purpose. It's from God for you. It's also from God for you, for others, for God, too. I invite you to have that lesson open. When, when you first come into contact with this, and anytime I hear somebody preach on this and read a commentator who comments on this lesson, everybody says that this is difficult. Arguably the most difficult parable Jesus says, and here's why. There's this manager who was being dishonest, and then all of a sudden he's fired, but he has some time, and then he kind of lessens all of the debts that are owed to his master, the rich man, and so he's dishonest in that way, and then Jesus says, hey people, you should go do that. And everybody's like, what? what, what? You're telling us to and it doesn't really make sense. And the answer is yes and no. Maybe first no. No, Jesus is not telling us to go be dishonest. That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is the worldly wisdom that this man used, it did something for him in the relationships, and there's a purpose behind that, and that deserves a second look. Maybe of all the things we could say from the beginning is, is maybe to start here. Whenever you approach a difficult lesson in God's word, it, it is really important to use the clear parts of God's word about that subject to help you with the unclear parts of God's word about that subject. So Jesus ends up being very, very crystal clear about where he's heading as he funnels his way down throughout this lesson. He's speaking very frankly at the very end of our lesson, and maybe it pays to start there. What does Jesus say at the very end? No servant can serve two masters. Either they will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In zero uncertain terms, Jesus is making the matter of money a heart issue. He's not getting into the subject about percentages and all of that jazz. He's talking about 
What is going on in your heart? What causes you to serve whom you serve? Why do you serve whom you serve? It's a, it's a hard issue from first to last. And for several reasons. If you know, as you and I do, that we are believers, we are Christians, God has given everything to us. He gave his son, he's given us eternity, he's given you every penny you have. So when we know that everything we have comes from God and we belong to him and we love him, then it is only right that God would say that he deserves to be first. We would love and serve him first and most. He is God. Your money's not God, mine's not. No person in your life is God. God is God. You and I aren't God in our lives. God is God. Therefore, we love and we serve him first, most, best. Cannot serve both God and money. Can't have two masters. He deserves that first place spot in our hearts. And you and I, knowing what God has given to us, nod our heads with belief and say, Amen. Furthermore, we know that absolutely everything we have been given comes from God. You might be tempted to say, well, you know, all of those years that I labored away in my work, or the amount of effort and overtime I put in this last week, it kind of merited the check that I received. Really? So how did you do that? With what abilities? Where did those come from? How about the position you were granted? Even this position in life which enabled you to work your way into school and to find whatever you have or somebody who maybe gave you a break, where did all that come from? How about this? Even just, I'll just take a step back. How about this? How about even just your eyeballs? Kind of need those. Where does all, this is why we confess with Luther, he is the one who gave us our eyes, ears, and all our members, our mind and all our abilities. All of that comes from God, even the ability to acquire the last penny you got comes from him. So all the more, all the more it pays to start here. Your money has purpose, first and foremost, from the God who has given it to you for you. The challenge, however, is when we kind of take a step back and look at how we've managed all that God has given us, and then we also look at why we've managed it the way that we have. As the old saying goes, you can tell a lot about a person based on how they manage their pocketbook. I think if I would approach any of you, and you mean if we were to exchange our honest answers, are you greedy? Do you worship money? I think we would kind of say, no, because that question, that kind of assertion only gets skin deep. But when we start to get to the why behind how and why we use the money the way that we do, well, that becomes a little bit different. Try, try this example. What about comfort? Each of us here loves comfortable things. It's comfortable clothes, furniture, house, size of house, maybe the size of the property, comfortable distance from our neighbors. They might be nice people, but maybe a little extra distance is okay. The comfort that we find in the car that we drive, the kind, the number of cars that we drive, the, the things that we might call our own as accessories or maybe their necessities. And I'm not saying any of us would bow down and worship all of those things, but what I can say and what you can also say is our desire to have comfort comes at a cost. And that deeper issue of even just wanting creature comforts cost something, not just from our pocketbook, but it costs something in how much our heart and mind are obligated by those things. 
Take even another deeper issue like control. Anyone here love being in control? If you said no, then that means you don't like the fact that I'm asking you if you're in control, and that means you kind of like control. I trapped you. Now, everyone here likes control in some way, shape, or form. I'm just saying. Whether it's control in the realm of having everything in the palm of your hand, literally with technology, security, being in control of your finance, being, being in control. But even that, even that deeper issue of being in control comes at a cost, not just from our pocketbook. And we would never say that we worship our budget, but the amount of time and energy and effort that we use our budget in our pocketbook to gain control for aspects in our life, even, even when it comes to approval, the affirmation, the validation, the status that we are seeking in our friends and our coworkers and the people around us who have this thing and that home and that property, who wear these clothes, who, who have this job, who, who do these things, even, even the desire to look and appear and find approval and status among the people around us, all of that comes at a cost. And it, not just on that line item on the check, not just in our budget, not just with the swiping of a credit card. But it comes with a cost of how much time and obligation and mental thought and desire occupies our minds and our hearts. I am not saying that you and I should always say, yes, we serve money. What I am saying is that we can tell a lot about how we use our pocketbook. For the memberships here, the comfort here, the control there, the approval there. And maybe it merits us asking this question. If Jesus were to grab our books and he were to open them wide and he were to take a look not just at what we use our money for, but if he were to look you and me in the eye and if he were to ask, why? Why this? And why that? Would he find God-centered purpose? Or might he find a lot of selfishness? Here's the good news, my friends. God doesn't tell you this lesson so that you can perfectly accomplish this hurdle on your pathway to earning eternal life. God tells you this lesson because while Jesus is saying this lesson, he is perfectly keeping this lesson for you. Jesus doesn't tell you this lesson so that throughout this week you might better your stages and your status in hopes that you might better be approved before God by your own credit. That makes you the saver, and of all the things you and I are good at, saver's not one of them. God tells you this lesson so you would see the one who is speaking this lesson, who's keeping it perfectly for you. What is the reason behind all that Jesus did? God did not, as we said in our children's message, he, he did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. Why? Why would Jesus leave heaven? He has the eternal riches of heaven. And it's not just that these riches in heaven are described like streets paved in gold and where you have your own mansion. Although that is appealing, and scriptures certainly say that, that's not the most valuable thing about heaven. It is the essence of heaven is that you stand before God and you see that all affirmation and all comfort and all control that you and I are after in this world that is ruined by the paradigm of this earth is far greater in what God sees of us because of Christ. We have everything we could ever want and more in God's eyes. All approval, all comfort. He even puts us there before his throne in heaven. Talk about control. Why would God give his son? For people who don't even, can't even put others first at times, much less him? Because he loves you. 
and he would save you and me from this world, which is like one greedy monster consuming itself. You and I know that the paradigm of this world is broken. The problem is we still get caught up in it. We do. And that's what makes Jesus the Savior. We said at the beginning of the service, out of his bountiful riches, he became poor so that through his poverty, we would become rich. Not six, seven figures rich, but even greater than that for all eternity. Your money has purpose from God to you. It has also purpose from God for you in the eternal riches he's given you. This lamb of God, a lamb without blemish or defect, that was the price that God paid. Jesus on the cross for you and for me. And when you view everything that you have, not just in life, but in eternity, that way, now you can understand. Now, my friends, you can understand this parable. There's this rich man. There's this dishonest manager. And look at what he does. He cuts one in half. He takes tons off of another. And why? He has this eureka moment. We only see this a couple times in the Gospel of Luke, where somebody in the parable that Jesus is speaking suddenly pauses and says, Eureka! I know what I'll do. And it's not just what he does, which is the dishonest part, it is why he does it. Notice what he says. So that when it is all gone, Jesus goes on to explain, when all of your possessions are gone, then you will have friends welcome you into eternal dwellings. That ex helps explain not just what happened, but why this man was using wisdom, shrewdness in this world in order to gain relationships with people closest to him, to have collateral, not in the monetary sense, but in the relationship sense with people around him. And Jesus says, if worldly people get that, hey, sh 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 Christians, sh hey, sh you, you guys get this? He's saying, World worldly people who don't even know God and his eternal love, if they get that, then... Right? Use your worldly wealth in that way. We get this in the realm of other characteristics, like take kindness for a second. Do we know, and do even people who are unbelievers know, that kindness will create relationships with people? Answer? Uh-huh. Yeah. So we get that about kindness. Why wouldn't that be true about generosity and shrewdness with the worldly wealth that God has given you? Use it to, to create relationships with people, to, to create approval with people. I don't know what that might look like. Maybe somebody's looking for furniture. Maybe somebody needs help because they've fallen on hard times. You could, you could sit back and be like, well, you know, there's, there's good places for that. Or maybe that is a platform for you. A platform, even with greater purpose than accidentally falling on money because of a beer sign. You could, you could literally use the possessions that God has given you for what? To gain approval with this person to create a relationship with this person. I'm not gonna sell you this furniture. You can give a donation to a charity and they might learn something more about you. Talk about wisdom in that regard. You, you need some help, let me help you. And let me also bring you onto some, some greater help too, this grace that God has given me. It's, it's wiser in that way. And in that way, you would welcome people eventually, Lord willing, into eternal dwellings. That children's hospital in Iowa, the receptionist picked up the phone and it was Carson King on the other line. And she was all excited. She says, I've always wanted to talk to you. I've been wanting to talk to you all week. He was like a celebrity in that regard. Bush Light even put his face on a can. I think that's the new king of beers. Carson King, see what I did there? And all of this, a receptionist was so excited to talk to this man who used what he had come across. It wasn't his original intent, but he used it 
and it became a platform with purpose for the benefit of others. If anybody can do that, maybe not get a million dollars from a beer sign, but if, if anybody can, can do that, namely, use whatever God has given you, because it all comes from him. Use whatever God has given you to create relationships, to win approval with people, to build a friendship with somebody. Imagine how wonderful it would be to not just have somebody pick up the phone on the other end of the line and say, oh man, I was, I've been waiting to talk to you forever because you raised so much money for our hospital. No, imagine this. Imagine this. Either Jesus comes or you breathe your last. And you are in heaven. And you are standing there, awestruck by the comfort the control, the approval, and the value of your Savior's presence. And walking up right next to you is that one person. Just, just one person. It's one person you befriended. It's one person you helped out. It's one person you provided for. And it's not just an aimless handout. It was with purpose with wisdom, because you didn't just see that someone as a need. You saw that person as an eternal asset, belonging to your Father. Since God has given you all that you have, and he's also surrounded you with people who have needs, not just in this life, but in life eternal. My friends, God has given you so much, not just money, not just possessions but purpose. May God grant that to us all. Amen.